Welcome to the Pioneers in Europe podcast, where we discuss opportunities, challenges, life, and missions across Europe. Well, welcome. Today we're visiting with Shane in Spain. Thanks for joining us today, Shane. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. Well, why don't we go ahead and just jump right in here. Tell us a little bit about your family and how you became a worker for Pioneers in Spain. Yeah, you can probably hear from my accent if you're listening at home that I'm Australian. And uh, I grew up in Sydney and lived there until I was around 30 years old. Um, I became a Christian when I was 18 and uh, not long after met my wife um, and together we, we decided to go to Bible college, to seminary if you're an American. Uh, and we both believed that God wanted us to minister outside of our home country, uh, but neither of us knew where, and we did want to prepare ourselves. And so when we, uh, when we went to Bible college, to seminary uh, in 2003, part of what we were doing is preparing ourselves, and part of what we were doing was also asking God where he wanted us to go. So in our last year, in 2005, we did a trip to Europe because we felt like God had placed Europe on our hearts, and we flew into France, and we visited different places and ministries in France, in Spain and in Portugal. We drove right around the peninsula, uh, believing that that was probably the place that God wanted us to go. And, uh, and several options came up, likely and good options. Uh, and then we went to uh, the city that we're living in, and God really used our experience there to call us back there. And so 18 months later, when we arrived in, uh, we arrived in, in the city that we're living in uh, with a baby, and, uh, and not really sure of what we were going to do. Um, my wife's name is Ruth. Uh, I've got three sons, Kai, Joel and Finn, uh, who are 11, 9 and 6 years old, respectively. Great. So as the Lord has led you to Spain, what were some of the blessings or challenges along the journey as the Lord called you to Spain? Yeah, I guess Spain wasn't really an, an early option for either of us. Uh, for me, I've been involved in ministry in Indonesia for for around nine years before we'd left um, in different ways and, uh, and different levels. Um, my wife uh, has an uncle and auntie that were missionaries in, in Argentina and so we always had different ideas of where we might end up. And God really brought about um, a consciousness of the spiritual need of Europe to us while we were studying uh, Bible College. So I guess that was as a bit of a surprise and as we checked it out we saw the depth of that and and, uh, and the reality of that. And God used part of that to, to call us uh, to, to move to Spain um, in 2007. Um, I think that was one of the surprises. I, th I think being, I think one of the concepts we have of mission is that it's, it's often the West to the rest. And, uh, and some of the ways that we conceive of mission, um, even when we're considering mission, in developed countries and in, in richer countries has that same missional mentality. I think it's, it's something that comes across in, in the missional culture that we breed in our home countries. Uh, and so it was surprising to see health in local churches here uh, where it occurs. Obviously, there are plenty of option, uh, plenty of occurrences where, where that's not the case. Um, I guess it was a challenge to us to see that there were believers uh, in some cases, that there were churches in some cases, that there was relative health in some cases, uh, because we paint mission to be such a um, to be such a needs-based activity, and I think we often sell mission that way. 
um, both your culture, Mark, and my own culture, we often sell mission on on a needs basis, and I think that's a lie for several reasons. Um, part of it's true. Obviously, there are needs. Obviously, there are cultures without the gospel, but I think selling mission based on percentages and needs is, is, is a lie that the enemy uses to just uh, help us bow to um, human uh, metrics rather than what God would have us do. And so I think that was a surprise as well because God led us to a part of the world that most people, I guess, would consider to be reached um, because it's rich, because it's romantic, because it's um, because it's Europe. You know, most people consider it to be because it's got so much history of, of Christendom and Christianity um, that therefore it's it's reached. Shane, you bring up a very good point about missions and missiology in general. Uh, a lot of times when we think about missions, we think about who are the least reached or unreached. We think about the 1040 window. Uh, but you bring up some reasons for considering uh, Europe, considering Spain. So uh, can you just give us a little bit of your take on what it, what does it mean to be called? And uh, why would why would someone consider a place like Spain? Yeah, I, th- I think the only reason to become a missionary is because Jesus commanded us to. <laughs> I think he commanded us all to be missionaries in that sense. He commanded us all to make disciples, and he said he'd with- be with us always uh, in that activity and in doing that and in following him. And I think that's the only motive to do missions, uh, where we bring up ideas of 1040 window, unreached peoples. I think they're human-based um, mission campaigns, uh, marketing campaigns, which we've used throughout the last few decades to mobilize people into mission. And I think there is there is some truth to that and there is some good to that and it has mobilized people and it has done some good things. But I think, like I said earlier, I think it's a bit of a lie. Uh, we can't be mobilized based on need. We're not doing uh, aid work. Um, spiritual work is not physical work. It's not the same. And so I think the Lord of the harvest needs to be able to send people into his harvest field, wherever that may be. And that presupposes a relationship with the Lord of the harvest. And so as we as we become part of the harvest, as we're saved, as, we're, as we become disciples ourselves, then I think he is the one who's leading us into the harvest field, whether that's in our home country, whether that's in a neighboring country, or whether that's on the other side of the world. And I think because we don't know necessarily where or how um, or what we'll be doing, uh, then then it presupposes that depth of relationship with the Lord of the harvest and following after Jesus and doing what he says and um, making sure that our spiritual lives are healthy and strong and intimate uh, so that when when the door, when the call does come up, we're ready to respond to it. Shane, you bring up a point that we haven't discussed much yet on this podcast, and I'd like you to speak into it a little bit. So how do you, as someone who is on the field, someone who is a, a leader of leaders, how do you maintain that, uh, those spiritual, uh, how do you maintain spiritual health? How do you maintain a, a spiritual, healthy relationship with the Lord and a strong marriage? All those things that are just essential for um not only surviving, but thriving on the mission field. Mm. Yeah, there are a few topics that you've brought up there, Mark, I think. Perhaps if I'll start with the, with the spiritual side of things, and then if you'd like to ask more about um, about other side, maybe I'll, I'll go into some of those relational topics as well. I think a vital spiritual life is foundational for anyone that wishes to do 
um, the wishes to follow after Jesus first and foremost, but certainly anyone that would want to do cross-cultural mission. One of the things that um, many, many people believe erroneously is that they've made it and therefore they can arrive on the mission field. The mission field is going to bring up things um, from your past or things which are buried deep down or things which are little in your home culture with your natural uh, support structures around you. It's going to amplify those and sins which aren't dealt with, hurts and, uh, and things from the past which aren't dealt with are going to come out again. And so one of the things that me as an area leader, uh, we've developed a program for people coming into uh, into our area that team leaders can use and the, we go through orientation, we go through language learning but the first real topic we deal with is spiritual vitality. We're encouraging everyone to have that because if you don't have that then you're operating on a past relationship that you've had with Jesus and expecting that to carry on for years. Uh, we Spiritual vitality and following after God is so essential because there are so many subtle temptations and attacks in this part of the world. I, in other parts of the world, a lot of those, and I've experienced some of these in other parts of the world, are far more front-on, they're far more uh, direct and and obvious. And in this part of the world, they're just so subtle and they can take people down so easily. And so if people come with a concept that they're okay and that they've made it and that they're going to help the natives and that you know, their relationship with God is good enough and, um, and that they're great, then their fall is just around the corner. Um, they, that relationship needs to remain because that relationship keeps us humble um, because we know that we're not anything compared to our maker and we're not anything compared to our saviour. And so having that relationship ever present and constant is, is one of those foundational principles which we not only encourage but demand in a sense through our example and through what we're asking people to do uh, in this field. Shane, you and I have talked before about how just coming from different cultural points of view, uh, me being American, you being Australian, uh, that affects some things as well, just the differences between uh, how we perceive mission and apply mission. So could you speak to that a little bit of how being aware of will help us uh, as we consider our call? Uh, one of the things I've observed in our time here on the field um, and in being a leader of people who are coming on the field is that different sending cultures have different expectations of their missionaries when they arrive. Uh, typically cultures who have a stronger or a higher percentage of believers in their home culture um, will send with different expectations to those who have a lower percentage of um, believers in their home culture. Uh, different, whether it's, um, so you mentioned the American, the Australian differences. Uh, the American culture is, is highly capitalistic and so it's sending people out with a value uh, almost monetary value on on how things work. It's not a monetary value. I'm not saying that, but but there is there are numbers put to it, and which I think is why statistics are so important um, to missional mobilisation at the moment, or why they're used so much. Uh, I think the Australian view is a little bit different because it comes from more of a socialist background uh, and more of an even um, across the board type scenario. Um, something that I've, uh, like an analogy that I've used to help people see this, and I hope it's not offensive to anyone listening, but just to give you an idea of the differences, uh, is that often we see Australians come and we come with the mentality of fixing the problem. 
so there's a problem over there, wherever over there is, and we'll go and fix it. And we'll and the, the Australian church says, we'll mobilise you to fix that problem. And so we go and we work alongside people and we, we get our hands dirty and we try to fix the problem. Uh, there is truth to that and there, is, there are also lies to that as well. Uh, it's, not, it's not entirely true. And I think the healthy, the people who are in contact with God through that process realize the parts that are unhealthy and are able to change those in their cultural transition. On the other hand, um, Americans seem to have more of a superhero mentality. So there's the word saving is used a lot by American Christians. Uh, I think there's this idea, and that's why I use the superhero analogy, there's this idea that we'll go and save the world, that we'll go and transform the world. Uh, and that we'll do it with the gospel, certainly, but we'll be the ones, we'll be the centerpiece to what's happening as well. And I think that comes out of that capitalistic uh, bent of the American culture compared with the Australian culture. Obviously, there's a whole spectrum there, um, but just comparing those two cultures. And so, yeah, I think often the American culture is portraying that, uh, that saviour mentality. And I think the Australian cult culture is, is portraying that fix-it mentality. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes when you hear an analysis of your own culture, you just realize, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, I didn't think about that before because it's kind of like a fish swimming in water and you just don't recognize that. So thank you for that. And, and that's not, I just, I just want to clarify that that's not a criticism in any way. Often it's just a cultural signature that people come with. That can be undone and that can be corrected as those people integrate with their local, with the host culture in which they're working. Uh, in those negative parts can be undone. And those, there are positive parts to that as well on both sides. Yeah, thank you for that. One of the goals of this podcast is not to just try to get as many people as possible to the mission field, but really to just help people have a realistic understanding of, of calling, an understanding of mission, an understanding of what God is doing uh, across Europe. And so uh, having those cultural insights uh, beforehand are, are tremendously valuable. So thank you for that. Now, as we begin to wrap up this podcast, just wondering if you have uh, any particular insights or uh, just experiences that kind of give us a window on your daily life uh, in Spain and your ministry there. Yeah, sure. Um, Spain is very unique in, in many ways. Um, one writer said there's one in England, there's one France, but there are many Spains. Um, it depends where you live in Spain uh, as to uh, what your experience of Spain will be. So many of you will have heard recently in the news about um, one of the autonomous communities of Spain trying to separate from uh, the nation as a whole and become independent, become a republic. That's just symptomatic of, of its history. Um, and it's also evidence of this difference. So a, a Catalonian person is very different to a Asturian person, which is very different to a person from Madrid um, or from Andalusia in the south. Uh, and so the, there's a great deal of variety, a great deal of difference, great deal of value um, difference uh, and diversity throughout Spain. Uh, in in, in um, sorry communities, autonomous communities um, is how Spain is divided up instead of states like, like our countries are. And in an autonomous community that was historically left-wing um, against the fascist regime of, of last century, uh, religion is off the table. Religion almost entirely is off the table. They're not wanting to know about it at all. Uh, it was used as um, a social means of control by the government, by the fascist dictatorship, and so um, and against these provinces which were more left-wing. Uh, 
Uh, so the, the region that I live in, the Basque country, even Andalusia and different parts like that, which are predominantly left-wing in, in the Spanish culture, uh, feel this a, a bit more. And so sharing the gospel, it's like the in, in Europe in general, you've got the enlightenment, right? So the gospel or, or religion is old. It's old news. We've actually been enlightened. We're beyond that now. Um, but then on top of that, where you've suffered under that religion, and you, and we use the same words, don't we? We we use we've got the same vocabulary as the church that persecuted them. Um, we call thing we call it church. We call it the gospel. We call it's still Jesus. It's you know we 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 speak the same language in that sense, and so <clears throat> so it's very hard for people to consider uh, the gospel at all. Uh, one one story, just a quick anecdote, is that I was in a particular part of our province of our autonomous community, and I used to go there. Uh, I used to go around that area with a guy that I was discipling, and we'd um, we'd talk to different people and we'd do a Bible study together. And uh, and I walked into a, a cafe and we were doing our Bible study together, and and I never took a pen, and we always wrote stuff down, and it was an excuse to go and talk to the bar person. So I went and talked to the bar person. We'd already ordered our drinks and. And, and we had our coffees and everything, and it was just another excuse to go back. So I went back to the lady and said, oh, can I borrow a pen? And then I just asked her a question. Um, Do you consider yourself a spiritual person? And she took, she physically reacted to it. Her face just completely changed, and she took two steps back and threw her hands up in the air and said, no, I'm not a spiritual person. I said, you know, is there anything that I could pray for you? you know? And um, she said, no, I don't pray for myself, and no one is ever going to pray for me. Um, and she was just really violently um, against what, um, what what I'd offered her. And it was just uh, an example, just one little anecdote about how people consider religion. They don't want anything to do with it, and they're completely against it. But in the midst of that, there is a church, and that church is small, and it's struggling to a degree, and it's one of its main struggles is unity. Um, church reproduction often happens by division, not by multiplication or addition. Uh, and so this is sort of the context that you, you're coming into if you're coming into Spain. You're coming into a context where <clears throat> you need to respect the work that God's already done because the local church is the evidence of what God, of God's work in a, in a place. You need to respect that, but you also need to be wise to the fact that there are going to be challenges both inside and outside the church. People don't want you here. Um, no matter how good you think you are, um, no matter how good your sending church tells you you are, you're not wanted here. Um, I want you here, um, but they don't. <laughs> uh, and so, <clears throat> so that's the sort of scenario that you're coming into. It's going to be difficult. It's not grass huts and it's not mud floors, but it's difficult in, at a very different level. So be prepared. Don't think you're coming into an easy place. Um, just because it's richer than many parts of the world, um, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's, it's certainly easier to live here, um, but in many ways it's really difficult to minister here. Yeah, one of the themes that is coming out of this podcast and some of the others is that we want people to go to the mission field not because it's easy or uh, because you can live in Europe, but because you're simply following Jesus. And um, that's where Jesus happened to happens to be taking you uh, for that part of your life. So, uh, thank you for your time today. Uh, as we wrap up, is there any last things you'd want to say to someone that maybe is listening and considering uh, Spain or 
uh, Portugal as a potential mission calling on their life? Yeah, I think if you're listening to this and you're already thinking about that, then get in contact with us. We can talk about it. We can talk about where you're up to in your own personal life, in your own spiritual walk. Um, we can talk about options that may be available to you. There's plenty of opportunity and we need the right type of people for those opportunities. So get in touch with us and we can start exploring with you uh, whether that's what God is calling you to do. Great. Well, thanks again for your time today, Shane. We really appreciate you and what you're doing there in Spain. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, go to pioneersineurope.com and find out how you can be a part of the mission of planting churches across Europe.